you've got a Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40 is where we're going to be today. Uh, super excited about the word this morning. Um, Isaiah, we've been walking through it, uh, walking through this series, Cradle to Crown. And if you don't know about the book uh, of Isaiah, chapters 1 through 39, though there are some glimmers of hope, it's a lot of gloom and doom, <laughs> if you read it. Uh, talking about judgment most of the time. The people of Israel, because of the choices that they made, God uh, let them on to their uh, you know, own vices, if you will, and they find themselves uh, in captivity, right? Uh, Isaiah speaks of this judgment that's coming. Uh, it came, but what's awesome is from Isaiah 40 to Isaiah 66, the script flips, if you will. And we see throughout, man, those next 26 chapters, uh, that of hope. Uh, we see uh, God speak to his people and remind them that, hey, you, I have not forgotten you. I have not forgotten you, man. There is hope here, man. If, if you choose to turn, man, for me, hey, after 70 years, you're going to be out of this captivity and you'll be with me once uh, more. We see hope uh, displayed here. And Isaiah 40, uh, many scholars, theologians, right, uh, uh, real smart people, uh, believe that this is one of the greatest chapters, not just in the book of Isaiah, but one of the greatest chapters in the whole Bible, whole Bible, because it speaks to this hope really right out of the gate. The first few verses speaks to uh, right uh, this one, this prophet that's coming to prepare the way of the Lord, the prophecy speaking to John the Baptist uh, that we see in uh, the uh, Gospels, the last uh, true Old Testament prophet. And then the middle section speaks to the greatness of God. If you read it, man, it is awesome. Man, it has I mean, a, a lot of great truth in there about the greatness of the God that we serve. And then we see the end here, some encouragement for the people of Israel. Because even though these several chapters speaks to the hope that is to come, man, the people of Israel were tired, weary, and they needed to be reminded, man, of the God that was on their side, man, even though they were in a mess. And so Isaiah chapter 40, we're going to be in verses 27 through 31 today. And so if you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. And we're going to read chapter 20 or verses 27 through the end of the chapter, verse 31. There some of these verses, if you've been in church at any point in time, may be familiar to you. Uh, but man, hey, they are still super strong. Super strong. If you ain't got a word with you, the verses will be on the screen. This is what uh, the word of the Lord says. It says this. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. And my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases their strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. Hey, speaking to even the folks that are in the most prime of their life, even they get tired. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Why don't you pray with me? Lord God, we love you. We thank you for your word.
word this morning. God, I pray that you would, God, over these next few moments, speak to the weary soul that's in here this Christmas season. God, God, I pray that you'd speak to the person that is wondering where you're at today and has been wondering where you have been for a while. God, I pray in light of the holiday season, Lord, I pray that you'd remind us as your people, Lord, the true meaning. And that is the fact that, God, you are Emmanuel, God with us. And you're with us in every season, in every space, Lord, even in the difficult times, God. God, meet with us now. Speak to us. Have your way in this place. And we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. Amen. And amen. I remember listening to one of my uh, favorite preachers uh, share a, a story about the season of life that he was uh, in. Uh, and him share about this 17-month span that seemed like uh, a span from uh, the pit of hell. He mentioned how in these 17 months, he had experienced the loss of several different family members. He experienced the loss of his sister, his brother-in-law, his wife, and his father. All in 17 months. Walked through some pain. Not to mention that one of his daughters, uh, both the preacher and his daughter, you'd know their names if I said them. Right, One of his daughters had to have part of her lung removed because of a mass that they found there that was cancerous. Not to mention on top of that, right, her other daughter had found a mass on her body that may seem to have been cancerous and so was walking through that. And then to add on top of that, his niece, right, young girl, because of all the trauma that was going on in her life, she hadn't eaten for several days, four or five days. And he talks about, right, as he shares this story, about asking the question, really uh, waging war in his flesh. Where are you, God? Where are you? He asked the question, hey, God, even though I'm I'm a preacher, man, and I've, I've faithfully served you, I've done all these things for you. Where are you in this moment? Where are you in this moment? Maybe you're in here this morning asking that same question. Hey, I know it's Christmas season, man. Hey, I know, hey, we get a chance to celebrate with family, but maybe you're in here wondering where God is because that family member that you lost is going to be the first time this year that you're not able to celebrate with them. Hey, I understand, man. Hey, tis the season, man. We're celebrating Christmas carols. Things are great. Hey, and, and on the surface, you may want to do that, but you're asking that question. Hey, God, where are you? Because of that space that you find yourself in at this current moment. Well, can I tell you, hey, the people of Israel here in Isaiah 40 were asking that question. Hey, where are you, God? Where are you? And what we see here is an encouragement. And, and by the way, that's, that's just what I want to do this morning, man, is encourage us in here wherever you're at today, man. I just want to encourage you all today. What we see here, this encouragement from Isaiah, from the Lord, right, to learn how to choose to wait in the dark. Wait in the dark. He See, that preacher, and maybe you're in this same place, that preacher, hey, he was in a dark place, in a dark place. And what we see here is an encouragement for us, hey, to learn how to wait in 
the dark. What we see here when it talks about waiting on the Lord, that word wait in the original language speaks to uh, a hopeful expectation. There might be some of your translations that says, hey, trust in the Lord, right? It speaks to that. Hey, it's this idea of choosing to say, you know what, God, hey, even though I'm in the dark, man, I'm waiting on you. I'm trusting in you and letting you lead and reign and rule in my life. And that's what I've entitled the message today, waiting in the dark. Waiting in the dark. And my hope and prayer is that we'd be encouraged to do that. I've just got two points this morning, Pastor Greg. So, man, hey, y'all might be out early enough to go get brunch. Amen. Got, hey, got two points this morning. Trying to answer the question, how do we wait in the dark? Based on what we see here in the scripture. How do we wait in the dark? And we see Isaiah highlight two ways that we do that. The first way is... This man, we wait in the dark by choosing to remember the nature of God. Hey, we wait in the dark by choosing to remember the nature of God. uh, Isaiah is saying, hey, Israel, people of Israel, man, people of Jacob, why are you guys saying, hey, where is my God? Why are you saying, hey, hold up? Verse 27, look what it says. Why are you saying my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Basically saying, why are you saying where is God here? Where's God? Hey, in the midst of the mess, you've got to choose to remember the nature of God. Let me put you this way. Maybe maybe you'll connect this way, man. One of my favorite movies, I believe one of the greatest movies of all time, maybe because I was a young kid whenever it came out, right? But one of those Disney classics, uh, The Lion King. Everybody in here seen it. Y'all remember The Lion King? Some of y'all, yeah, I remember watching it as a, as a youngin. You know, great movie, man. Hey, voices of some of the greatest, you know, actors and actresses that were around. But you remember that scene, man, when Ember Simba's all grown up. Man, his dad had passed, right? His, uh, his dad's brother, right? Scar was a snake in the grass, man. Ended up, you know, uh, pushing his father. His father ended up dying. He's out in the middle of nowhere, man, kind of away, kind of running on the run. And remember, man, he looks up to the stars, and he sees his dad, right, carved out in the stars, you know, some kind of honestly weird, you know, kind of scene there where, you know, made, you know, made out, depicted in the stars there. And then he begins to talk and they have a conversation. And as uh, the picture of Mufasa leaves, you, you remember, I remember just like yesterday, hey, that James Earl Jones, man, that deep voice. Remember what he says to him? He says, hey, Simba, remember. <laughs> hey, y'all. Hey, hey, y'all remember that? Hey, remember who you are. I can't even get down that low. That's a whole other octave low. I can't even get down that low. Sorry, James Earl Jones or wherever you're at. But hey, remember that? Hey, he told Simba to remember who he was. Hey, he was the rightful king. Man of the tribe, man. He was the rightful king of the animal kingdom. Man, y'all know where I'm going, but I'm going to go ahead and go there anyways. Hey, some of us, it's not necessarily remembering who we are. It's remembering whose we are. Hey, and remembering the one who, man, owns us. Hey, the one who leads us. It's remembering him. In the midst of the dark places, we've got to remember him, his nature. And that's what Isaiah tells us here. Look what he says. Here, remember the nature of God. And he walks through here. Look what he says. He walks through five different elements of this God that we follow and worship. And I'm going to walk through those uh, real quick. Look, look what he says, starting in verse 28. Man, he says, first and foremost, the Lord is the everlasting God. Hey, he first says to 
right, the people of Israel, and he's telling us today, hey, remember, God is timeless. He's timeless. Man, he is the everlasting God. He created time. Man, he was around, hey, before time began, and he'll be around after it ends. Amen. He is the everlasting God. Hey, here it is. Our God doesn't expire. Hey, he doesn't wear out. Hey, some of these idols that the people of Israel, maybe you today, were worshiping, hey, they rotted, they rusted. They were, they were destroyed, you know, they were easily destroyed. But hey, this God, he doesn't expire. He is eternal. God, look at what Psalm 90 verse 2 says, speaking to it here. Says this on the screen, says on the screen. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever, you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. He is eternal. Man, here's another one. Man, First Timothy 1.17, giving glory to God here. To, uh, Paul is uh, to his uh, son in the faith, Timothy. Look what he says. Hey, to the king, talking about the Lord God, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, to the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And then one more. Let me go ahead and throw one more with you. Hey, we, we walked through the first part of the book, Old Testament, middle part, you know, the New Testament, and then the end part, Revelation 22, 13, last chapter. Look what he says, talking about the Lord. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Hey, the God that we worship is eternal, everlasting, everlasting. He is timeless. Hey, let me give you another one. Look, look what he says. Go back, go back to the text there. Who is this? He says, the Lord's the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Not only is the God that we worship and serve timeless. Hey, he is spaceless. He's spaceless. Hey, our God is everywhere, everywhere. Omnipresent, right, is the fancy term for it. man. He's omnipresent. A.W. Tozer, the famous theologian, man, he speaks to this concept of God being spaceless and being in every place. Right as uh, what is known as the divine eminence. Man, speaking to God's nearness to us. You say, Pastor, what does that mean that God is is present? By the way, let me go ahead and throw this in free charge. Let me first off say, I'm not saying that God is in everything. He's everywhere. He's not in everything. He's everywhere. We don't worship, you know, the nature and the trees. We worship the God who made them. Hey, we we don't worship, you know, some of the stuff that we see outside because he's not in it. We worship the God who made those things. But what does it mean to, for God to be spaceless? The fact that he is ever present. He's everywhere to the ends of the earth. It means this. Hey, man, he is in every place. Even the place that you're in in your life right now. He's there. He's there. Even in the dark place. I heard it said like this before, man. Hey, you know, some folks talk about there being uh, places that are known as, quote unquote, God forsaken places. And can I be real with you? Oh, hey, the only one of those God forsaken places is a place called hell. Hey, hey, here on earth, man, hey, even in the lowest of places here on earth, man, the Lord is there. Even in the lowest places of your life, he is there. He's there. Look at what the scripture says. Psalm 139, 7 through 10. Psalm is here saying, hey, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, in the pit, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And he is there in every 
place. Oh, you need one more verse? Hey, I got one for you. Jeremiah 23, 24. Look what it says. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Declares the Lord. Do I not fill the heaven and the earth? Declares the Lord. Hey, he is in every place, man. Even in the darkest places of your life. He is there. Not only is he timeless and spaceless, look back at the text. Hey, he is also tireless. Oh, I love this one. Look at what it says. He does not faint or grow weary. Our God is tireless, right? Another way to say it. Faint's what it said. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. Here's what that means, Brother Cliff. Hey, our God doesn't need to take a break. Hey, he doesn't need to take a little nap or a little siesta, Brother Chris. He, hey, he doesn't need to sleep. He is tireless, man. Full of all power. Full of all power. And so what that means is, hey, the darkest place in your life, listen, he ain't sweating one drop about it. You can give it to him, man. Give it to him. He will meet you there. Meet you there, man. He is tireless. He does not sweat one bit, man, running the universe, nor is he incapable of running the things in your life. Give them to him. This Christmas season, Psalm 121, three and four, just as some evidence of this. Look at what the psalmist says. The psalm of Asaph says this. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Jeremiah 51, 15 says it this way. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom. And by his understanding, stretched out the heavens. Man, our God is tireless. Tireless. Man, not only that. I got two more, man. It says it here, man. Not only is he tireless, but we got to know that his knowledge is limitless. Look what it says here. His understanding is unsearchable, man. No one, man, can can dig down deep, man, to... The depths and to figure out his understanding. It's infinite. It's infinite. His knowledge is limitless. Fancy word for that is omniscient, all knowing. Our God is all knowing. Hey, can I be honest? Can I be honest today, Brother Tom? Some of us, right in our flesh, we struggle. I know I struggle with this. Some of us struggle in our flesh with thinking that we know it all. Bless God, you don't. Hey, can I just be honest with you? Some of you guys, man, y'all got awesome kids. But bless God, they don't know it all either. And you've probably seen that, experienced that. But hey, I know one who does. Amen? And it's the God of the universe. He knows, he really does know it all. And he can flaunt about knowing it all. And, and the one that knows it all, isn't it wise for us to be able to put his life, or put our life in his hand? Right, isn't it wise enough for us, man, to choose, hey, instead of trying to drive our life because we don't know it all, to choose to put our life in the hands of the one that does? Man, may we choose to do that. Man, our God, his knowledge is limitless. Psalm 147.5 says it this way. Great is the Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Or unsearchable is another way to say it. Man, our, his knowledge is limitless. Man, give your life over to him. Man, there's an old contemporary Christian song we used to sing, man. Uh, 
I believe it was called the potter and the clay. Man, hey, I give my life to the potter's hand. Man, hey, give your life to him. Give your life to him. And then lastly, man, we got to remember that our God is generous. He's generous. Look at verse 29. It says this, he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Think about this, the grace of the Lord. Hey, in the midst of our dark place, the midst of thinking we can't run anymore, our God is gracious enough and generous enough, hey, to give us the power and the strength that we need to keep on going. Keep on going. He is generous. He doesn't have to. He, hey, he could just have made the earth and just leave us to figure it out on our own. Because a lot of us, man, we str- and I include myself, we struggle with wanting to do that anyway. But our God is generous enough to say, hey, man, I'll, hey, I'll give power to you. You're tired? You don't think you can take another step? Man, I'll give power to you. Hey, you're weary today? Try to figure it out on your own. Hey, man, I'll give you strength to keep going. He is generous, gracious. And by the way, hey, since it's Christmas, I got, you know, got to share it in this way, man. Hey, he showed his generosity in the greatest way by sending his son, Jesus. Shed his blood on that cross. Hey, to give us an opportunity to live this. Live the way that we were created to live. Live this Christian life. He is generous. We've got to remember that he's generous. And understand that his generosity has no limits. And so those of you men who are trying to navigate this Christmas season in the dark on your own, man, thinking that you're a bother to God by just being real and honest and forthright with him, taking this stuff to him, man, hey, you got to understand that he's beyond generous and is willing to help you out anyway. Like another old contemporary song goes, the beginning part, man, a thousand times we failed, man, his mercy still remains. Let's choose to commit to his generosity, man. We've got to remember who he is, man. Some of us just need to remember that. You need to remember that. Hey, just just being honest, we, we just need to get out of, hey, the, the routine and ritualism that we may find ourselves in whenever it pertains to church, the Lord, and just step back and just ask the Lord to remind us of who he is. He's bigger than we could ever think. And, man, he's willing to help us to be able to wade in the dark. We've got to remember the nature of our God. If we want to wade in the dark, man, if we want to wait with hopeful expectation, be hopeful, we've got to wade in the dark. And then secondly and lastly, and I'm done, in order to wade in the dark, friends, this Christmas season, hey, we've got to choose to run to the nurture that the Lord provides. Not only do we got to remember the nature of our God, hey, we've got to run to the nurture which he provides. Did you know, hey, that our God is a nurturing God? You see the first part of Isaiah chapter 40 here that if you read it on your own time there, it speaks to the greatness of It has verses that say, hey, our God, man, he sits above the circle of the earth and his inhabitants us are like grasshoppers. Man, there is no one that compares to him. Right, it speaks to the transcendent nature of God, the other uh, world, world, other otherness of God. Really, is the best way to describe it, man. It's he's indescribable, the otherness of God. But then here we see, man, in verses thirty and thirty-one, man, his nearness, his eminence, the fact that he is a nurturing father. 
man, and wants to nurture us today. Some of you in here think, man, nurture, man, oh, man, that sounds like such a, you know, quote, unquote, wimpy word. Hey, listen, no, 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 we, we all in here need to be nurtured by him. We need him like a shepherd, man, to lead us gracefully to nurture us, nurture us. And that's what the people of Israel needed. Remember, man, they were in a mess. They were exhausted. This hope that, you know, that was being shared here was great and good, but, man, they were tired. They were weary. They had had a long run at it. Now they're, you know, in captivity, right, living as slaves, wondering, you know, they had heard, right, about, uh, you know, God and his promise, right, to keep his people, and they were wondering where he was. And Isaiah says, hey, man, this God, man, he's wanting to nurture you, meet you where you are, in the same way he's wanting to meet you where you are today. May say, Pastor Herb, hey, why, why do we run to him? Why should we run to him? Well, I'm glad you asked. It says it right here in verse 30 31. And we ought to run to the nurture that the Lord can provide. Why? Hey, because first and foremost, and I'm just going to keep it real with you. Just thinking about how to phrase this up point. Hope I don't offend nobody, but I'm just going to keep it 100 with you. Hey, we run to the nurture of the Lord because, hey, we are not superhuman. We're not superhuman. Look. That's what it says in verse 30. Make sure you know I'm not making it up. Look back at it. Look what it says. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Hey, listen. Just being honest. You and I, met. we are not superhuman. Not superhuman. We are, hey, as, uh, what was that lady's name? Christina, uh, I think Christina Perry, like she's saying, hey, we're only human. I'm not going to try and sing because she gets up high. I'm not going to be trying to sing that part. You probably heard the song before. We're only human. Like that other song goes, hey, we're only human after all. At the end of the day. And us, even in our prime, the most prime that we can find ourselves, hey, we still get tired. Hey, even the most fit military soldiers that's in here right now, man, hey, you still get tired. You still need sleep. You still need rest. And the reality is, hey, trying to lift your way out of the struggle, at the end of the day, it's not going to help you. Hey, you, you trying to manufacture this own strength, you know, that you, that you think that you have, man, it's not going to help you at the end of the day. Because listen, we are not superhuman. Not superhuman. Hey, that young college student, man, that pulled that all-nighter, which I pulled many when I was in college. You know, not necessarily because the work was hard, because I just procrastinated, Brother Cliff. You know, confession time, just being honest with you. I made it though, hallelujah, Brother Cameron. You know, I heard it said like this before, Pastor Greg. Some people graduated summa cum laude, you know, and cum laude. I graduated thank you laude. You ever heard that before? <laughs> hey, I made it. Amen. But, hey, that that college student who pulled that all-nighter, hey, still got to get some rest. Hey, the mom in here, man, that's juggling all those plates. Listen, hey, you, you still got to get rest. Why? Because, man, we are not super we're not Psalm 103 verse 14 through 16 says it like this for he knows our frame he remembers that we are dust as for man his days are like grass he flourishes like a flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows no 
more. Listen, I'm not trying to be gloom and doom. Like I said, I'm just trying to encourage us. But, uh, but I, I, I've got to share this reality. Man, Isaiah's not by accident that he shares here. This reality about us being humans. Because here's the deal. It's the moment whenever we think that we are invincible, man. We think that by our own strength, man, even in the darkest of seasons, we can find our way out of it. Hey, it's the moment that we make the mistake. Hey, and here's what happens. All of a sudden, God, as I talked about a couple weeks ago, man, he turns into, man, that omnipotent and all-knowing, ever-present God. He goes from that to being that little idol. Man, hey, that you put back on the cabinet, put back in the cabinet when he's not there. We've got to understand that we are not superhuman, man. We need the help. Hey, let the Lord help you today. Let him help you. Because even, man, we grow faint and weary. Well, that's why we run to him. But secondly, hey, we run to him, verse 31. You probably already know where I'm going, but I'm going to go there anyway. Hey, we run to him because he is able to renew our strength. He can renew our strength. Verse 31. But those who wait, talking about, uh, you know, us having this hope, trusting in him, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God, at the end of the day, is able to provide the strength and the power that we need to be able to Wait in the dark place. Hey, he's able to provide the strength and power that no cup of coffee, no matter how strong it is, no energy drink, no matter how much, you know, caffeine, artificial caffeine it's got in there. He's able to provide that strength that supersedes any of that. No pill, no potion, none of that could offer. He's able to renew our strength. That word renew in the original language literally means to put on a fresh, a new speaks to change. Man, whenever we run to the Lord, man, hey, he puts back on that strength every single day of our life and allows us to continue to roll on, man. Run and not grow weary, man. This call for us to be able to run, as Hebrews 12, 2 says, run this Christian faith. Run this race that God's placed us in, man. Not growing tired. Even though we're physically tired, man, hey, the Lord supernaturally, man, gives us the ability to continue to run in it. Hey, even in the dark places, walking, not faint. Hey, we're able to take step by step in those dark places where we don't see God. Even even when, man, it seems bleak and we don't know where God is, man, we're able to take that step by faith. Like that old song goes, man, we're able to walk by faith even though we can't see. He is able to renew our strength. Psalm 29 verse 11 says, May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace at the end of the day. Man, he's able to renew us. Man, we're able to soar on the wings of eagles. Man, soar over the trouble in our life. That imagery there. Even though we're in the midst of the trouble, man, he's able to give us wings to be able to soar. And so instead of simply being that person who uh, lives as if they're a martyr in their troubled times... Right, as a child of God, you understand that, hey, no, 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 I've got the God of the universe on my side. That's able to, that enables me to be able to soar, even in the midst of the crisis. Crisis may not go away suddenly, but I'm still able to soar and live for him. Live for him. I'm still able to worship him. I'm still able to make the most of my time on earth in him, even in the lowest of points. 
Man, because of the God that's on our side that's able to renew our strength, man, he's able to allow for us to soar. And so choose to run to him. Run to him this Christmas season. Run to him. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll end with uh, this. Man, I wish I could take credit for this illustration, but I can't. I borrowed it. Uh, shout out to Pastor Derek. That's a pretty good one. You know, got to give him, give him love. Pastor Derek, our lead pastor over at Sango. Uh, but I've come to discover, Brother Tom, that there are two types of people in this world. Those who are eagles and those who are chickens. Those who are eagles and those who are chickens. Hey, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Man, you know about the chickens, don't you? Chickens are those that stay on the ground, man. They're pecking around for the low stuff, man, the stuff that are there on the earth. Whereas the eagles, man, they soar high above the earth, man, searching for prey that they're able to devour. Hey, chickens, man, they're hunted. Some of you probably hunted some chickens, you know. They're hunted. Eagles are hunters. Hey, chickens, man, they oftentimes are frantic, man. They cluck and scratch, man, and a lot of times they have multiple frenetic displays within a day. Whereas an eagle, man, when you see one, it's sitting high up, perched on a tree, man, calm and strong. And even though things might be crazy, Around them. Chickens run and hide even at the smallest signs of danger. But eagles are unmoved and unshaken by the circumstances that are around. Man, chickens are a dime a dozen, but eagles are rare and special. Then at the end of the day, right, chickens, hey, they end up on many dinner tables. And I like chickens, by the way. Like, love chickens. And eagles, Man, they fly strong and free up in the heavens. What's the moral of the illustration? Hey, friend, don't don't be a chicken. Don't be a chicken. Hey, choose to be an eagle, man. Hey, don't be that that person right in the midst of uh, the dark place, wondering where God is. You choose to simply peck around at the low stuff, anger, bitterness, resentment. You choose to cast God aside, right? Because you're wondering where he's at. Instead, hey, choose to be an eagle, man. That even in the midst of the Christ, even in the darkest of places, man, you still choose to soar, man, over the circumstance. Hey, because you're leaning into the power of the Most High God. Choose to be an eagle. By the way, it doesn't take much acumen, right, to be an eagle. Right? There's not a requirement or several requirements, right, degrees that you need. Hey, you can be an eagle, man, by simply one thing, choosing to know Jesus, man, and to lean into him. Remember who he is and choose to run to him even in the dark place.